Welcome to our Sunday Sermon Podcast with City Harvest AG Church. Wherever you are in life, we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Here at City Harvest, we believe in the undiluted Word of God and the teachings here will enhance your understanding of the Scripture and will help you grow and mature as a Christian. So we hope and pray that you will be blessed by this sermon. Today's sermon is brought to us by Pastor Shine Thomas. Today, we will get back into the infancy narratives of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is the infancy narratives of the Lord mentioned? It's mentioned in two Gospels primarily. It's mentioned in Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2. So we go like this. Today we will look at Luke chapter 1 verse 1, 2 through 25. And next Sunday, God willing, Dr. Jacob Chirian will preach from Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 through 17, the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then God willing, we will come back. I will come and preach from Luke again. And uh, we will continue this for this month. Well, uh, let us have a little bit of understanding of Luke before we start. Uh, you see in chapter 1 verse 1 through 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. That means, what is fulfilled? The coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And many people have indeed taken time to write about Jesus. Not everything has come to us. Right? Uh, so read that once again. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So how did we get the account of Jesus? Suddenly the spirit came and people wrote, no, the Bible has gone with a lot of research. They have researched the eyewitnesses of Jesus, researched the people who were with Jesus and the ministers of Jesus in the first century. And then they have written in a human way, but in a divine way, that writing is inspired for us as God's word. You understand? So like Jesus is divine and human, the Bible is also divine and human. Verse 3, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So all that Luke has written over here in Luke Acts, he has carefully investigated it is not some fiction story from somewhere it is well researched investigated spend hours and years of study and then we have the bible i have carefully investigated everything from the beginning i too decided to write an orderly account so the bible is an orderly account you see how much of discipline order comes into god's word he had to write, compile, and he said, no, now if we are in computer, we cut and paste from here to there. No, that time Luke was writing on the scrolls and a lot of scrolls and he had to bring that into order to give us the, the gospel of Luke. I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Who is Theophilus? The meaning of the word Theophilus is one who loves God, Theophilus, Right? So it can be a man who is a high-ranking official in the Roman government because most excellent is used. Or it can also be God's people who love God. It can be taken as two ways. To a particular man, at the same time, to everybody who loves the Lord. To most excellent Theophilus. 
verse 4 so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught so now luke is writing this we know that luke is a physician he has never seen jesus but he was a very good close companion of apostle paul in his missionary journeys and he is writing this after much investigation now we must understand that luke is a gentile not a jew and but when luke is writing this he is presenting if you especially look at the uh, first couple of chapters and through the gospel of luke and infancy narratives and further two things are very clearly mentioned over there one is uh, the david in the line of david in the town of david a savior is born in other words what is luke doing luke is presenting to us a new david a king who is bigger than david if the old testament david was the greatest king of israel and later told as the king of the nations in psalm 18 david was mentioned as the king of the nations right and here luke is presenting to us a greater king in the line of david but greater than david he is the king of the world of heaven and on earth secondly we can find that the jewish culture and religion had its epicenter in the temple there at jerusalem and luke is presenting to us things starting from the temple right things starting from the temple the annunciation to zechariah in the temple jesus being brought into the temple right jesus lost in the temple at the age of 12 everything is starting for the new king everything is not outside the context of the judaism but it starts from judaism and it grows out of judaism the gospel and reaches the entire world and that's how luke is giving to us his gospel right now before this i want to understand let's move forward in chapter 1 verse 5 in the time of herod king of judea there was a priest named zechariah now what is luke doing luke is also bringing personalities into his writing famous personalities so that his dating will be right people will know okay herod ruled and that is the time this happened right king herod was the ruler and when did herod rule herod ruled from bc 37 to somewhere around bc 4 according to history one year before bc 4 when herod died one year before jesus was born so when was jesus born not on the bifurcation of ad and bc right that is something that has come to church around the 3rd century uh, as a creation of constantine and his people jesus was not born on december 25th If you look at what the timing Luke has given to us Jesus birth is dated somewhere around 3 BC and that's where Jesus was born so here he is telling in the time of Herod king of Judea he was one of the wicked kings there was a priest named Zechariah he is now coming to the temple and the priesthood of is Jerusalem and priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron two priestly families bringing their children together and getting married one from the priesthood of Abijah Zechariah and one from the priesthood of Aaron the greatest one of the top high priest not the first high priest Aaron himself his clan and is coming Elizabeth right so they are both priestly families wonderful marriage great people respected in the society and uh, you know what is the meaning of the word zechariah zechariah means god remembers listen to this theme very carefully god remembers 
you know between malachi and the gospels there are 400 years of silence from heaven god has not spoken through the prophets through visions prophecies or written document heaven remained silent and why does heaven remain silent in spite of giving the law to the children of god in spite of telling what is right and wrong many times we as the children of god when we get into sin willfully god will sometimes choose to remain silent until he finds the appointed person that's the theme that runs throughout the holy bible you see in the book of judges we can find towards the end of judges it says that people were doing what they wanted to do everybody nobody was in the fear of the law look at the last words of judges everybody did what they fit right to them they were not worried about god they were not worried about the temple or the tabernacle or they were not worried about the torah or the law so what happens the next chapter starts with a big silence everything is happening in first samuel in the temple eli is ministering his sons are ministering but they are wicked in the sight of god and first samuel will tell us those days the word of god was rare and visions were not coming why because people are in silence so here when luke writes the word zechariah the priest in the time of herod luke wants us to understand that the lord has remembered the promises he made to israel amen because zechariah's name is god remembers i want to tell you my dear child of god my god never forgets his promises you may think that god has forgotten you you may think that god has forgotten after giving you so many promises but my god remembers my god remembers he never forgets the promises he has made to his people hallelujah after 400 years god is still remembering people are forgotten and god is still remembering and now i have given to you a little bit of uh, outline of this book from the book of first samuel because you see how first samuel begins heaven is silent there is no voice of god to eli and his children but god is waiting to talk and here comes samuel where god is speaking to samuel heaven silence is broken and here all of a sudden after 400 years of silence God is speaking to Zechariah and heaven's silence is broken. God remembers and God speaks. If you doubt that God speaks that's because our hearts are not tuned to hear the voices of God. God speaks even today in his temple and God's presence is there in his temple where we are the temple of God, our bodies and the church is the temple of god in this morning time now look at how first samuel begins first samuel begins with a barren couple hannah and her husband without children going to the temple how does luke begin luke begins with another barren couple elizabeth and zechariah zechariah going to the temple what a parallel so luke is giving to us edited samuel and showing to us that Jesus is a king greater than Samuel if it was Samuel who anointed Jesus as the uh, David as the king over Israel it is John the Baptist who is going to be the forerunner of the messiah in the gospel of Luke okay come with that understanding let us read verse 5 in the time of king Herod of Judea there was a priest named Zechariah god remembers 
who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So Aaron and Zechariah, the Bible certifies that they were righteous. Being righteous, does it mean that they are perfect? No. Right? Being righteous does not mean that they are perfect. They are human beings. They have their own weaknesses. But what is righteousness over here? Our righteousness comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. But they have not seen Jesus. Their righteousness comes from the law. Any Jew who knows the law, meditates on the law, and tries to work with the law to live a life, are termed according to the Old Testament as a righteous person. Right? So they knew the law. And they meditated on the law. Zechariah and Elizabeth did everything that they can to follow the law. And the Lord calls them, they are righteous and they are blameless. Our righteousness does not come from the law. Our righteousness comes from Jesus who is the fulfillment of the law. And today we are made righteous by the work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. But by the way, uh, the Bible calls them righteous. Right? But they had a serious problem. What was the problem? Verse 7. But they were childless. Because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. They have gone to every IVF uh, or every fertility clinic. Whatever facility they had that time. I know that there was no IVF that time. But they could not conceive. So in the Old Testament understanding, especially the Jewish understanding, barrenness without child is a situation of curse from God. What was the promise that God gave to Adam and Eve? Multiply, replenish the earth. And that was the promise that the children of Israel inherited. That children are a blessing of the Lord, offspring a reward from him. So they had an understanding that if somebody does not have children, this is a curse from God. That's the Jewish understanding. So when Elizabeth and Zechariah, big priests in the temple, and they're walking around in the time, and Zechariah says, now it's the time for me to go to the temple, people will look at them and say, wait a minute, they are cursed from God. They're not having children. That's their understanding. But wait a minute before you throw, put a finger on them. The Bible even before that tells us that they were righteous and they were blameless before God. Let me talk to couples who are not having children. Maybe you are trying a lot and you're praying for a long time. And you are not able to conceive like the other couple. And you're thinking, what is the curse? Maybe your family is telling there is some curse in this family. I want to encourage you. That need not be a curse from God. Don't term all those couples who do not have children that they are cursed. This is a consolation for such people. It is God who opens wombs. And here it is God who closed their wombs for a particular reason. But I'm also talking to you for people who are going through barrenness in life. Maybe you have a child but there is a lot of barrenness. In your family there is barrenness. Your future is barren. Your relationships are bad and you're going through a rough patch and you're thinking, Lord, why? In spite of being righteous, in spite of serving you, in spite of coming to church, I am going through this barrenness. I want to tell you and encourage you, my dear child of God, when you introspect yourself and you don't find sin in you, maybe your barrenness is not because of your sin always. It is allowed by God for a reason and for a season. Are you with me this morning time? Amen? That's the story of Elizabeth 
and Zechariah. They were barren, not able to conceive, and they were both very old, very old. That means they were really advanced in age. Verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God. Now there were some 18,000 priests uh, from the clan of the Levites, tribe of Levites, serving at the temple. Not everybody would serve at the same time. They used to take turns. So 18,000 priests, the temple had a lot of work. The primary duty of the priest is to what? To offer sacrifices on behalf of the people on the altar. To take the offerings, grain offerings, other kind of offerings, sacrifices. And then this temple priests are supposed to offer that sacrifice and incense to God in the holy place. And that is one of the duties. The other duty of the temple priest is to teach, instruct the Torah. To teach the people the Torah. People are coming to the Jewish epicenter, temple from all around the Greco-Roman world. And the priest would be in every quarter teaching them the word of God. So they had duties, but it was divided by the Levites. And every priest has to come twice a year as per their uh, clan and come and do the ministry at the temple. And now Zechariah's turn has come for this year. Uh, and verse 8 says, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. Verse 9, He was chosen by Lord according to the custom of priesthood. So now out of all the priests that are serving in the temple, they would cast lots and one priest would be picked up. Okay? It's not the best priest, the well-dressed priest, the able priest. No. There is no partiality in the temple. They would cast a lot. Whichever priest is picked up, that priest has the privilege after the sacrifice in the morning and evening to take the coal, burning coal, and go to the holy place. Understand there are the courts of the Gentiles and the, uh, the court of the women and the court of the Jewish men outside in the temple. And then inside nobody can approach. There are two chambers. One is the holy place where every day morning and evening one priest can go who is selected by Lord to offer incense. And the most holy place is only yearly once the high priest can go on the day of atonement. You understand what I'm telling you? So if some priest is selected by Lord, he's only getting a chance once in a lifetime. If somebody gets selected, their name will not be there for the next lot. He can get only once in a lifetime. And a majority of them will never get a chance to go to that holy place and offer incense. And the temple is facing east. And uh, this holy place is towards the west. And the most holy place is towards the far west. And when this priest goes with the burning coals out after the sacrifice. And when people are standing all out there, all the other Levites and all the other priests and the people are standing over there in the courts. He goes to the incense with fear. Because you know Aaron's uh, Korah and his sons, they were swallowed by earth. And it is, it, is, it is not an easy job to go to the presence of God. He has to go up with prayer. And Mishnah, the Jewish law says that every priest is advised to keep the very minimum time in the holy place or the most holy place when the high priest goes in because the presence of God is there. He's a consuming fire and he has to come out quickly. Zechariah has been selected by Lord 
and what he has to do he has to take the burning coals which symbolize the prayer of the people the sacrifice of the people people have given love offerings sacrificial offerings burnt offerings animal sacrifices they're all praying outside and one person is represented that is jesus in the new testament he takes this to the presence of god and this priest is now zechariah and he has to go there and put the burning coals in the incense and the moment he puts that into the incense there is a big smoke that is generated and the smoke transfers out of the holy place and it gets to the roof and outside the doom of the temple and the people and the priests who are looking outside they will look at the incense coming up and the smoke coming up and they thank god because their prayers are answered their sacrifices are accepted and that's the symbol there in the temple and as sekariah goes there he has suddenly an angelic visitation heavens are opening up after 400 years he has never seen that before now if you want to know a pictureize what happens when zechariah goes there not similar but something like this happens in the vatican when the pope is elected you know that when the pope is elected if he is not elected in the ballot they will take all the ballots and burn it and in the chimney of the vatican people will be waiting outside black smoke arises and the people are sad that their pope could not be selected and but when the pope is selected they will take all the ballots and mix a chemical with the ballot paper and burn those ballots and suddenly that chemical turns the smoke into white smoke and when the white smoke comes out everybody rejoices because their new leader has been selected something like that when the incense burning happened in the holy place when people would look at the smoke they would rejoice and thank god that their prayers and sacrifice have been answered okay and what happened was eight once when zechariah's division was on duty he was serving as priest before god he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the lord and burn incense was 10 and when the time of the burning of incense came all the assembled worshipers were praying outside so there is prayer happening and this incense the smoke is the answered prayer in the old testament uh, temple verse 11 then an angel of the lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense he does not know the protocol all the priests who have gone before they told him zechariah you do this and then you come back and suddenly out of the rule book of the levites something spectacular is happening in the temple he saw an angel of the lord over there zechariah doesn't know what to do is out of protocol and what was zechariah's response now before we read zechariah's response i've seen some people you have seen that right some people come on tvs and they say that i had an angel of the lord visit me how is the talk they talk as if they are next to god they talk with so much of pride and boldness after some time they will tell you this is my account number give me the money is that how when people meet god in the bible when moses met god in the burning bush what was his response when isaiah saw the presence of god he said woe unto me i am a wretched man 
Gideon, do not be afraid, God said, because he was afraid when he saw the angel of the Lord. John had the vision of the glorified Christ. Paul had the vision. What happened? He became blinded. John in Patmos almost fell down like dead. That is the true encounter with God. Don't be carried away by people who say that. I saw the Lord. This is the Lord's word to me. This is the angel of the Lord. That should reflect in their countenance, their humility, their sinlessness. And here, what happened to Zechariah? When Zechariah saw him, verse 12, he was startled and gripped with fear. Broken humanity, when they come in contact with the holy God, is fearful because God is holy and he's a consuming fire. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. So what is the first word of heaven after 400 years of silence? Do not be afraid. This morning, the church is the temple of the spirit of God. This is the temple of God. Our bodies are the temple of God. And God has a word for each and every one of you. And the word of God is do not be afraid. Somebody needs it this morning time. You're afraid about your future. You're afraid about what will happen to you. This morning you're afraid about the medical report. But God is telling do not be afraid. First word silence broken. Do not be afraid. So what do we understand from this passage? God remembers. He remembers you. You have not forgotten. Secondly, don't be afraid. Thirdly, what is the next one? Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. God answers prayer. And what is that prayer? Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Now we are told that he is very advanced in age, very old. So maybe she's passed all her capacity to bear a child. Now Zechariah stopped offering sacrifices. Zechariah and Elizabeth stopped praying because they're advanced in age. Mind tells them not to pray. You understand? But what does the angel say? Your prayers have been answered. God never forgets. God remembers. Even if you have forgotten those promises that God has given to you. God answers prayers. Maybe you have forgotten many things that you have been praying for. For a long time. You have wondered whether God will fulfill those promises. And you have forgotten that. But this passage tells us that God remembers. God says, don't be afraid. And God says, your prayers are heard in the presence of God. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. So what is the prophecy concerning John the Baptist? He is going to be joy, not only for Zechariah and Elizabeth, but for the whole nation of Israel. Why? He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. When he is born, many people are going to rejoice. Why? Because he is going to be the voice in the wilderness, crying out, here is the Lamb of God, preparing the way for the Lord. 
Remember Isaiah chapter 40 and this verse 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our Lord. That is fulfilled in John the Baptist. So what is Luke telling us? is talking to us the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Starting not with Jesus, but starting with the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. Come to Malachi. Come with me to Malachi chapter 3 and it's verse 1. Look at the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come into his temple. So it was prophesied by the prophets that before their Messiah comes, the messenger will come. He will prepare the way. And who is that messenger? John the Baptist. Malachi chapter 4 and it was 5 and 6. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to the parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. If the Messiah comes, it is saying that if he comes the way Israel is, he is going to destroy them. So to prepare the people before that, to turn them to repentance, I am going to send a messenger in the spirit of Elijah. Come down to Luke chapter 1 and this verse 14. He will be a joy and delight to you. Why? Because he is going to bring people to repentance. John the Baptist. Many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And then in verse 17 of Luke chapter 1, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What a connection between Malachi and the first books of the New Testament. John the Baptist. Is John the Baptist Elijah? Some people say to me that Pastor John the Baptist, Elijah was taken in a chariot of fire. So he never died. And, and uh, is Elijah coming, John the Baptist? Not necessarily. I don't think so. Elijah was a different personality. And John the Baptist is a different personality. What the Bible says, he's come in the spirit of Elijah, the same spirit of Elijah in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So here is the annunciation of the birth of John the Baptist. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. He could not believe. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Look at the silent theme over here again. Between Judges and Samuel, there is a silence. I told you because of sin. Between Malachi and the Gospels, there is a silence of 400 years because of Israel's rebellion. Now, because of Zechariah who is righteous, who is blameless, who is in the holy place, but his unbelief, heaven is telling, you are also going to be silent because you are having unbelief in you. The silence theme is being developed over here. And verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah. What's happening to this man? He's old. What happened to him? Did he die down in the holy place? 
and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple unusual verse 22 finally when he came out he could not speak to them he was silent actually when the priest after offering the incense and it rises people are praying outside the priest will come and tell the priestly blessings from numbers what is it the lord bless you and make his face shine upon you but zechariah could not speak why because he could not believe the message of the lord he, the people could not get the priestly blessings that day so uh, meanwhile the people were waiting and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple when when he came out was 22 he could not speak to them then they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak i can imagine zechariah no dentures like today we can put artificial teeth this man is old some tooth are all gone right and very old in age he can't speak can you imagine him making signs outside about the angel and what the angel spoke to him can you just pictureize that scene and uh, people are trying to understand what really happened and uh, verse 23 when the time of his service was completed he returned home after this his wife elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion I am wondering why they remained in sin. They were praying for this all their life. Now they would have been shy, right? At an old age. I don't know the reason. I don't want to add into the scripture. But they remained in seclusion. Verse 25. The Lord has done this for me. Those who wait on the Lord will have a testimony to say, the Lord has done this for me. Amen. The Lord has done this for me, as she said. In these days, he has shown his favor taking away my disgrace among the people. Amen. I just want to conclude over there. What are some of the themes that is running out from this place? When man sins, God becomes silent. Until man comes to a position, he is looking for righteous people, blameless people, according to the righteousness of Christ, to communicate back again to us. Amen. The second thing that comes out of this thing is that as the temple was supposed to be holy, we are the temple of God. We are called to be holy. Thirdly, God remembers. I may forget you. I may forget your birthday. I may forget to wish you. When you are going through my maximum challenge, I may not have the time as a human being. Not intentionally, but I may forget you. Your friends may forget you. Even your husband or wife may forget you, but God will never forget you. He remembers you. Amen. Thirdly, what do we understand? God still speaks to us. Even today, God communicates to us. Fourthly, barrenness of any kind cannot be termed as a punishment from God. Sickness of any kind cannot be termed as a punishment. I've heard from people who are suffering with cancer. Lord, why has this come to me? What wrong have I done? I have a word for you. When you are sick with any kind of sicknesses, it need not be because God is punishing you. God's word, the next one, to broken human beings, mankind, is not to be afraid. Do not be afraid. Next one, God answers prayers. God never forgets his promise. God remembers and remembers and he will always remember, even if you forget. He always answers prayer 
and he never forgets his promise. This infancy narrative of the Lord Jesus Christ, where has it related to you? Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you not sensing the presence of God in your life? Have you disobeyed God somewhere so that you cannot hear the, the whisper of the Holy Spirit? Today, heaven can break the silence when you come to him in holiness. Secondly, God remembers every prayer, every promises that he has given to you in the scripture. According to the will of God, he has not forgotten. He remembers. You are not forgotten. Thirdly, he answers prayer. He answers prayer. You would have forgotten that prayer. You would have forgotten that promise. But in his time, he answers prayer. And then he takes away our disgrace. You know, John the Baptist became the forerunner of Jesus. And finally, Jesus was born. The Messiah was born. And all the promises for them and for us have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is the one who takes the disgrace and shows us favor through his death on the cross of Calvary.